Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 84 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guests today are the new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, and they're also just two all-around great dudes. They are Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, the OGK. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. I'm Matt Taven! Suffer! Thanks for having us. When you said overall great dudes, I just thought you were talking about Mike. I was yeah. shocked to hear my name talking, first. I thought you well, were just talking about me too. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty much talking about Mike. But I, yeah, I, I just I get wanna... the I get the leftovers. I get and the lover of all animals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, man. First off, congratulations on becoming the tag team champions again. Uh, you defeated Kenny King and Dragon Lee to win the belts at Honor for All last week on Honor Club. And... Um, Let's talk about it. I mean, it was it was a long road back to the championship, to say the least. More than five years since you guys first won the titles. Uh, could each of you just kind of put it into words? I mean, how it felt to get those titles back in your hands, to be champions again? I mean, I would imagine there had to be some bittersweet feelings considering everything that's going on in Ring of Honor right now. Matthew, you want to start? Oh, I was waiting. I was trying to be a gentleman. No, I, I, I'll, I'll give you the floor. Um, I, you know, it, it's so hard. It's just, it's so unbelievably hard. I'm, I don't, I don't know how else this to say it. I've, you wanted something for so long, and it happens, but it's just not the way it's supposed to happen. You know, I, I've been talking about since we've been back and in the pandemic era, the things that have happened with no crowd and uh, from my own return to Mike Bennett's return to, you know, something that we had been backdoor planning for years happened in front of no one. Um, And for this to happen in this circumstance, not just without the crowd, but, knowing that we don't know what tomorrow brings um it's it's a tough one it's a tough one and you know it's 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 funny because you you want to enjoy these things and 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 you know you don't put too much stock to the things online but everyone you know questions about what's happening to the for the future and they have their little comments to make and obviously that's been in our minds the whole time but when you're you're holding on, you're looking at your suitcase and there's this big trophy that you've been desperate for, for almost six years now. But when you pick it up, you think of all these uncertain things that might happen. It's, uh, it's, you know, you're, you're playing with a double-edged sword. Um, and it's been tough. It's been really tough. Uh, I personally, you know, have been with this company for so long that 
I don't know. People will say whatever they want to say about me. They've always have, and they always will. But um, I, I just, I feel like I, I've given so much to Ring of Honor, but also like I've seen so many other people give so much. And there's so, there's such a big part of me that's, I just feel so bad for all the guys around me, you know, knowing what's going on. And, and uh, you know, these guys all have families and real lives. And as much as people, you know, people act the way they do on social media and they think that that's life, like you put down your phone and you have to deal with all these things that are going on in your mind. Um, and it's a tough thing for all the guys in the locker room. So when I watched last night, uh, I, I loved it because of what it was for, for Mike and I and such a long road to get back here. But um, it was a tough one just because I know how hard everyone works in that locker room. Um, every, you know, from everyone, from the production to the people that set up the ring. God, I, I, I love this place so much. And they're all my family. Um, and to see kind of the end of the road coming up sooner than later, you know, it, it was tough because at the end of that match, I knew we were one step closer to the end. So, I, I mean, I, I have all the faith in the world that all these guys and girls will will do great things in this business one way or the other. But um, it, it's always tough because no matter what, when someone leaves or goes somewhere else, you don't see them as much. Yeah. You don't talk to them as much. This is just such a hectic world that you kind of live in this bubble where if someone's not in that bubble with you, it's, it's, they're on the outskirts of your life. And to think, you know, the family that we've all grown together here in Ring of Honor, to think that we're not going to be in the same bubble anymore. Um, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that sucks. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, your, your thoughts? I mean, I, he, Matt couldn't have said it any better about how I'm feeling, honestly. He, he uh, kind of summed everything up about my exact emotions. The only thing I'll add is that the win last night – it was the first time in my very long career that I feel like, uh, not that I feel like, but what actually happened was when the three count happened, I don't ever remember uncontrollably crying like I did in that exact moment. And I didn't exactly know what I was crying for because the emotions were all so uh, conjumbled and joined together. And it was kind of like what Matt was saying. It was this moment of, we had set out on something that was very personal to us. And that was regaining the tag team championship, because I feel like when I left and when, when everything kind of hit the fan, it was that one thing that we always had in the back of our mind that we're like, all right, we always have this goal that we're going to get back to. And then to see the paths that our careers took and then to come full circle in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of all this crap happening, and to just once again be on that path and that goal and to set it and feel like we were on that trajectory of that we wanted to accomplish, and then to have the rug pulled out from underneath you, it, um, yeah, it's, it's an emotion of happiness and sadness and anger and being terrified and being sad. It's just there literally every single emotion went through my, my body at that point. And I guess the only way to handle it was to just uncontrollably cry. 
And so that, that was the first time I experienced that in a match. But it was a special moment. And regardless of my emotions behind it, whether they're sad or anger or just pure happiness, it's, um, it, it's probably going to be one of, if not the most significant world uh, championship win I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, well, and I was going to say, too, I mean, if, if say, um, you know, Mike, you were in there with a different partner or Matt, you had a different partner or this was a singles title that either one of you were winning, you'd still probably have some of those feelings. But the fact that, you know, you guys are such uh, you guys have been friends for so long and you, you guys, you know, you mean so much to each other, not trying to sound corny, but I mean, you guys have talked about it. I mean, you're best friends. This is a real thing um, to have that moment together, I'm sure, is what really just amplified the emotions more than if it would have been, um, you know, winning another championship, even given the current circumstances, just the fact that it was the two of you together and all the history that you have and the friendship that you have. Um, but Mike, I want to ask you specifically, when you returned to Ring of Honor about a year ago, um, you felt like you had something to prove. I mean, is that, is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I still feel that way. Well, I was going to ask you, um, to maybe elaborate a little bit. And, you know, now here we are about a year later, do you feel like you have proved something? So I think this is the hardest part for me to kind of, the, the hardest pill for me to swallow here. Um, and I think that it's one of those things where I feel like I was just starting to prove what I'm capable of, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to show people. I feel like it didn't actually start happening until I had that, um, until I had my match with Gresh. And then from there, it felt like me and Taven started cooking on all cylinders. We started having tag matches against Rhett and Tracy. Um, then we had a tag match against Bandito and Ray Horace. Then we had a tag match against Flip and, and PJ. And then we had a tag match against the Briscoes. And then we had the tag match against Dragon Lee and Kenny. And it was like one of those things where after each match, we just kept coming to the back and going, holy crap, we're really cooking right now as a team. And, 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 you know, some of the, the producers and the bookers were coming up to us and going, you guys are killing it right now as a team. And I felt like it was one of those moments where I was going, okay, we are really starting to prove what we're capable of. I'm starting to prove that me as a sober wrestler is a 10 times better wrestler than uh, a wrestler addicted to drugs. And we were just starting to hit that groove. And like I said before, then the rug was pulled out from underneath us. So I feel like I was getting there on proving what I wanted to and showing that we were the best tag team in the world, but I don't think we quite got there yet. Um, and that is the hardest part of this whole thing for me to deal with. Well, I want to ask you too, what, what's the biggest difference between uh, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett as the tag team champions in 2021, as opposed to the two guys who won the titles back in 2015. And when I say, you know, what's the biggest, like, I don't mean that, you know, Taven had longer hair and, uh, and Mike, you had hair, uh, but, just as, <laughs> but just as wrestlers uh, and as, uh, as, as people, um, you know, what was it? Uh, how would you say you, you, you're different now than, than you were then? We've been through more. Yeah, I, I feel like we're so different, but we're also very much the same. Like, um, you know, I think in 2015, we we've had this chip in our a chip on our shoulders of wanting to prove something, and and now you know, like Mike was saying, I, I think we still have that, but almost for completely different reasons. 
So it's one of those things where it's, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same because our chemistry just kind of like, you know, riding a bike, we got back in there and it was, it was like nothing changed, but, um, our goals and our reasons behind it, our goals stay the same, but our reasons behind it changed. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm constantly on a redemption tour where I'm trying to prove to, to people that um, I'm something they might not think I am. And uh, I, I think Mike, you know, came out of a situation with a very, very similar feeling, uh, but maybe for different reasons. And we were focused on one thing, just like we were focused in, in 2015. Um, so it's, it's funny that like, we've both been through so much in this, this time apart, but when we got back together, it was like nothing had ever, had ever changed. Um, our mindset, obviously you can tell it's different in the ring, but I think that's just a natural progression of who we are as people. And it's like Mike said, we, we haven't had a chance to really kind of hit that, that full stride. We, we started running and we started running recently and now we're about to get into a full sprint and, and someone's turning down the speed on us, but we're hoping that, uh, you know, we can keep this momentum going wherever we go next or, or whatever ends up happening. So the, the future is un, uncertain, but I, I have all the confidence in the world that we'll continue on the path that we started uh, in 2021. Mike, you have anything to add to that? No, I, I mean, honestly, I think it's it's just like what Taven was saying. I just think there's a couple of things that we do differently now, and it's just that we've grown. And and I don't, I can't speak for Matt, but I think I we know the game better. We we we. It's like I always I always use a quote, and it's not an exact quote, but from Tom Brady, where he talks about the fact that the biggest joke in life is that especially like in football, you start to understand the game better as you get older, but then your body breaks down and it's the biggest rib in life where you're like, Oh, I can finally understand how to play this. But then your, your body breaks down. Luckily for him and for me and Matt, our bodies are never breaking down. And so we just, I think we, we, I think you get to the point where you see the field differently. You understand the game better. You know how to play the game and not just in the ring, but outside the ring. And I think it's one of those things where you mature and you grow and uh, your goals and your principles change. And I think we're just, I think, and I don't want to say six years ago, we were these young, you know, kids jumping the rails or whatever, but we were still these young kids trying to figure it out, trying to figure out who we were. And then over the past five or six years, we both went through some stuff and then we came out more mature and, and essentially seeing the field better than we've ever seen it. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. I mean, back in 2015, you guys weren't green by any stretch of the imagination. You, you'd both been around. Um, but now, not just, I mean, you guys are still in your prime, but you're veterans. And I think you guys are really seen in the locker room as, as locker room leaders, um, which obviously that wasn't the case in 2015 because there were guys here who were older than you and maybe had been around longer. Uh, but now you're in that position. Um, I mean, is that something that you guys feel when you're in the locker room? Uh, I mean, without a doubt, I, I would say the biggest difference between then and now is, is, is that almost exactly is that like in, in 2015, I very much was kind of like F everyone else <laughs> who gives a shit about anyone else. I'm, I'm stepping on throats to get to where I want. And now, I mean, I, 
I feel the same joy that I've felt in my career when I see someone that, you know, I've known or helped or, or whatever the case may be succeed as well. Um, and I, I think I've definitely become, and I don't want to speak for Mike, but I definitely become more secure in, in who I am as a person and as a wrestler. And I think that that, that's something that in that locker room just kind of naturally makes you gets you into that position and you know there it wasn't the case in 2015 and we learned so ma- so much from the guys here in 2015 that uh you know we're leading this place and really kind of just if you look at the 2015 roster in the wrestle wrestling world i mean they're really <laughs> kind of setting the trend no pun intended for what wrestling would become uh so we're happy to kind of pick up that torch years later and kind of passed down those lessons that were passed to us. And, and again, that's what goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. I think that I was having so much joy in kind of seeing all these young guys that are so good, get opportunities in ring of honor and really succeed. Um, and, and knowing that they will still succeed elsewhere, but just maybe I, I won't be able to, to take a part in that uh, the way I have been or, or the way I would like to. Yeah, I think, I I mean, if I could just jump into, I I totally agree with Matt in the sense that I feel like we're looked at entirely different in the locker room than we were looked at in 2015 and not, not in a bad way because I, the, the roster in 2015 and the friends we made and the relationships were just as strong as they are now. But I feel like from a leadership and like a, um, a veteran standpoint, we're being looked at a lot more for help and advice and tips than we were back in 2015. And I feel like in 2015, it was very much me, 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 us, 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 kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. What can we do? How do we get to new Japan? How do we become champs? How we main event every single show? That's just where we were. And I know now, and it's funny, Matt said it because if I'm helping out someone like a Brian Johnson and I give him one tip and then I watch it happen and I watch him come to the back and thank me for it. And the look on his face about it's that I get more enjoyment out of that now than I think I get out of anything else. If I can be like, Hey, if you just switch this up, maybe this will happen. And then to watch them do it and then to watch them be successful with it. And then to watch other people be genuinely successful. I find far more enjoyment out of that than I do anything else in my career right now. And I think that's the biggest difference. It's not really about me anymore. It, it's still about me, but it's, it's something I like to say. And, and uh, Shane Taylor and me always talk about it because we have the same mentality. It's this idea of elevate yourself and elevate everyone else around you at the same time. And that's, that's what I firmly believe in now. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, to um, elaborate on something that Matt said, I think a lot of it does have to do not just with um, – you know, getting older and wiser, whatever, you know, it's also about being secure in yourself. And yeah, when you're 20, you know, in 2015, when you guys are still, like you said, scratching and clawing and fighting for a spot and still trying to prove yourself, of course, the emphasis is going to be mainly on, you know, getting to that level to where you want to be and you're still striving for. Um, now you're, you know, you guys have reached the heights and not that you're not still trying to go further or, or always get better. You can always learn more. You know, that's one thing I've learned. And like, no matter how much, you know, there's always more to learn. Um, but I think being secure in who you are then allows you to say, all right, it doesn't hurt me any <laughs> if I can help someone else succeed, if I can bring someone else up to my level. 
uh, Lufisto was on the podcast last week and she talked about that as well growing into being a mentor to young women in the business, something that she didn't have when she was growing up, but now she's able to do that. And, um, and, and, and the satisfaction that it gives her. I mean, just myself as somebody in the journalism field, as a writer, uh, when I transitioned into editing and then I was working with writers, I got as much satisfaction helping someone craft a story with their byline on it than I did with my own byline. on It's like, it, it, it just gets to a point where you feel like you need to, uh, like I said, you're secure enough that you can then want to see other people succeed and you help them. And it gives you that feeling of satisfaction. Like Mike, just like you said, you give, an, you give advice to Brian Johnson, you see him go out and take that advice and it gets over and, and then it makes you feel good. No one will know other than you and Brian Johnson that that happened, but you still feel that satisfaction. And um, yeah, I also, and not to cut you off, Kevin, but I also think, I think it's one of the biggest secrets in life or in wrestling in general that we always kind of gloss over. But while you, if you're elevating people while you're elevating yourself, it makes you better and it, it, it helps you get there quicker. It, if we put in our mind, and, and I think this is something that I learned as I started progressing in wrestling and just kind of maturing and getting older, but like if you're constantly trying to keep people down or hold them back, that comes back to you in tenfold. It really does. And this isn't like some universal motivational speak, but when, when, when stuff started happening, when good stuff started happening for me, I took a step back and I looked at what I was doing differently. And the only thing I was doing differently was I was putting others before myself. I had a higher purpose and I was putting other people's careers ahead of myself while I was trying to work my ass off at the same time. And it's like this biggest, it's the biggest rib in all of wrestling that you think you need to screw people over, stab them in the back. No, I tell everyone there's room in the wrestling pie for all of us to eat. And it's the biggest rib that everyone falls for. And once you realize it, it's kind of like you learn this giant secret that help everyone else out, help yourself, and you'll get there 10 times quicker. Right. And, and I think another thing that both Mike and I kind of foresee in the future, and for me, I hope that I can wrestle another 10 years before, uh, before this is, you know, uh, we both have been lifelong wrestling fans and I would love to stay in this business one way or the other. I mean, I, I obviously went to school and have a degree in, in one field that I'm sure I could probably translate into wrestling in, in some sense, but I learned so much through being in this wrestling business for the last 13 years that uh, I would love to kind of continue that to to work behind the scenes and be helping these guys, uh, you know, whoever's coming up in the future. Obviously, me and Mike have, have helped train guys in the past, but, you know, being agents or being part of the office, I think is both of our long-term goals. And when you were starting to kind of see the fruits of that work, it's just kind of another thing that that's getting pulled from you right now. But I think those experiences that we had here in ring of honor will um, will guide us wherever we go next to kind of fulfilling that, that long-term vision of, of one day being able to work behind the scenes. I want to shift gears just a little bit. Um, you guys have both shared your feelings about, you know, the, the current situation and, and where things are going and, you know, the uncertainty of the future. But Mike, I wanted to ask you, um, and I know you can't speak for her, but, um, how is Maria? I mean, I can, I, I'm just wondering how hard this has been for her because I know how much she has put into this women's division, building it from scratch. Um, 
and, and, and it's become such a success and we have such a diverse group of women on the roster. Uh, I mean, how did she take all of this? Um, you know, she's, she's Maria and she handles everything like Maria does. Um, I, I, I won't sugarcoat it. She was devastated. Um, this was her dream job. And she, she said to me not, not too long before that phone call where we all, uh, where everything was told to us, but she said to me, she said, you know, in my career, this is the happiest I've ever been. And I remember thinking that, and I looked at her, I said, because it's what you were meant to do. And Maria's done a lot of cool things in her career, but to watch her with those other girls and to watch everything come together and to watch how her and Bobby Cruz just kind of work together and take something that was pretty much dead in the water and in a matter of six months, make it one of the most talked about things in all of wrestling. It just, it's a testament to her and to Bobby Cruz and the girls that she brought in. And I think the one thing that I find solace in, and I tell her this all the time, is I was like, this was just a test run for you. Because what you were able to do with what you were handed, and in the short amount of time you were able to do it, is nothing short of, of, of a miracle. It was miraculous. And I, I was, I'm blown away. And I think the fact that she was able to do it and now build the confidence and the fact that she's Maria and there's nothing that I would ever put in front of her that I don't think she can accomplish. I truly, and I, and I know this is cliche and I know it's BS and everyone will say it, but I truly believe she's only just start scratching the surface of what she's going to do. Um, and yes, she was crushed. She was hurt. And, but if you know Maria, like I know her and Matt knows her, she's just going to use as, as something to piss her off more and to keep moving forward and do something else that someone tells her she can't do. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny because I said when I asked you the question, we were shifting gears. But actually, it was really right in line with what we were just talking about, which was helping other people in the business. And that, that's another great example of what Maria has done with this women's division. It was not about her getting in the ring or her being the, the focal point or the talent. It was about her helping all these other women uh, improve, uh, you know, get themselves over for, you know, to use the wrestling term, get themselves over, get the division over. And it wasn't about her being the star. It was about all of them being the star. And I can tell you every single woman that I've had on this podcast or even had a private conversation with um, has just spoke glowingly about the job that she did, the way she made all of them feel the way she, um, you know, was a sounding board, a mentor, an advice giver. And, you know, I think you can tell after a while, like, who's giving lip service and who's saying the politically correct thing and who, you know, legitimately is sincere. And I got the feeling that every single one that I talked to was 100% sincere in the relationship that they had with Maria. Some knew her before this, some were meeting her for the first time. And it was universal across the board, uh, just how much they enjoyed working with her or working for her, whatever way you want to put it. So I think I think the one thing a lot of people don't understand with Maria too, and like putting that women's division together, is she's a mastermind. And it wasn't just let me go find the best talent possible to put out there and put on the best tournament possible. 
Maria was building this family, this women's division family, where everyone had to vibe off of everyone else. And someday, I hope she'll sit down and talk about a pod and do a podcast the way she talks to me about how she picked these girls and how she puts these girls in. It, her mind going into this is like it, it's it's like Albert Einstein putting together this equation because. Sometimes I sit there and I'm like, how in the hell do you even think about something like that? How in the hell do you think like this, so this problem could arise on a random Tuesday evening. So this is why you need this type of person in the locker room as opposed to this. I sit there and I'm like, who the hell thinks about this stuff? Like, but, and then when you watch it all together, you go, oh. That's why you need to think about that stuff. And it's way more than just this person's a really good wrestler and this person's a really good talker. Let's put them together and see what happens. There's a whole science behind it. And the fact that I hope one day Maria sits down and, and gives people the secret to, to all of this because it blows my mind the amount of work that her and Bobby Cruz put into it. Well, I mean, just to, ahead, I'm sorry, to speak on the leadership of those two, like, Man, it, uh, I kept describing to people what the last tapings were like. And I was like, man, I, I never knew what it would be like to go to my own funeral. But I think <laughs> I experienced the closest thing to that. Um, just because I, I remember walking into the lobby <clears throat> after I flew in. And I had been very positive after getting the news and just kind of upbeat. And I came in and there was all these sad faces in the lobby. And I, I so I'm, uh, you know, immediately I just go to the dumbest thing I can think of. I'm like, what's up, sad boys? And I thought that would get a big laugh. Oh, it did not. <laughs> it did not. You know, all these guys are uncertain about their future and stuff. But the next day, the women's division, like, uplifted the entire <laughs> locker room because they were so positive and they were just so happy. And it really was because Maria and uh, Bobby Cruz had had a meeting with them and I, I wasn't there. I, I don't know what was said, but whatever was said, it was the right thing, you know, and um, they had put so much time and effort into that division. Um, I, I think those girls appreciated everything that, that they had done. And again, I, I, I wish they I wish I knew what went down because the next day it was like night and day from when people landed in the airport and it really all came from that women's division really picking up the locker room. All right, we're actually just getting started here. We've got plenty more to talk about with Matt Taven and Mike Bennett right after this break. <laughs> it's been fun playing wrestling with y'all. But we got something even better. Honor Nation, it's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals, the body slamming, drop kicking way to keep the fun going. We need some tougher competition. Now put a buckle! Jay Trevor! She's the new Honor Pals champion, ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com. This is Quinn McKay of Ring of Honor Wrestling inviting you to Final Battle, Ring of Honor's ultimate pay-per-view show of the year. It returns to Baltimore's Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena on Saturday, December 11th. Final Battle is available on pay-per-view and streaming live for Honor Club. Keep it locked in to ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels for ticket on sale information so you can join us in Baltimore. All right, we are back in the ROH Strong Podcast, talking with the OGK, Mike Bennett, Matt Taven, the new 
uh, and now two-time Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. Well, here's some exciting news. Um, and we don't want this podcast to sound like a, a, a eulogy or anything like that, because we don't know. There's uncertainty what the future holds. Uh, we don't necessarily know, um, but we're all positive thinkers here. So we're going we're gonna to think positive. But, and, and here's something to be excited about. It's been announced that the OGK will defend the tag team championships against the Briscoes at final battle December 11th in Baltimore. It's at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. That's a mouthful. It used to be UMBC <laughs> Fund Center. Uh, it'll be live on pay-per-view, streaming for Honor Club. But I, I got to ask you guys this question. How fitting is it that, you know, the tagline on Final Battle this year is the end of an era. How fitting is it that the tag team title match at Final Battle, end of an era, is the two of you against the Briscoes? I can't think of a better, uh, more fitting match for us to go out in. Uh, and I mean, I, I mean that genuinely. It's one of those things where if you take a step back in time and kind of look up at what put the kingdom on the map, it was, it was every match with the Briscoes. It was every single time we went out there, you didn't know what you were going to get. And fortunately for us, the Briscoes always gave it their all and we always gave it our all and we were able to pull magic out of each other. And yeah, I mean, it's, there's not a whole lot to say about it. It's just, it's fitting. It's perfect to think that, the day one team of the Briscoes is going to go against the team that they helped put on the map for the tag team championships and what could be the end of an era final match. Who knows what the hell's going to happen? It's, um, it's, it's like fairy tale, but sad. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it, it's exactly the way it's supposed to be, right? This is what else would it be? Um, it's crazy that we're the tag team champions going into this match and it could be the very last defense of of those titles uh and and you know you you i don't know if maybe people aren't as morbid as i am but you always think of like how would i go out here what would be my last thing as a singles me and jay lethal but as a tag team like there's nothing on earth that i would there's no other team i would i would pick besides the briscoes um i mean obviously they mean so much to ring of honor and they've done battling them not only let me get six staples in my head but led me to you know probably the tag team championships in the first place in ring of honor I, I, that really put us on the map so there would be no other there would be no other choice here um it, it's going to be one of those showcases though where these are two teams that uh ring of honor means a lot to uh, personally, and we know, you know, what happens when the two of us, when the four of us get in the ring, how like just the best comes out of us. It's like this animal, animals get released in there and we just go crazy. So I, I'm, I'm thinking about how, you know, how Baltimore is going to be the end of an era, us looking across the ring at the Briscoes. I'm like, man, this is like, this is it. This is exactly what you would probably this is the fairy tale, like Mike was saying, and uh, I'm I'm feeling all the emotions about it. But I know, you know, come December um, in Baltimore, it's it's going to be quite the show that the Briscoes and the OGK put on. Well, I remember Mike when we had you on the podcast uh, last year, 
uh, and we talked about the Briscoes. And, and certainly they've meant a lot, as, as Matt just said, to both of your careers. I'll put you on the map as a tag team. But, Mike, I remember you saying that with the Briscoes, Matt, you just know you're going to go in there and beat the living hell out of each other, uh, and then you'll go hug it out in the back afterwards. So, I mean, that's, that's yep. kind of what you have to be prepared for, right? Like, you know it's going to be brutal, uh, but you're going to make magic, and then, you, you know, you're going to hug it out. Yeah, it's like your 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 brother or your sister. It's it's you're gonna fight, and then at the end of the day, you're gonna bring out the best of each other, and you're gonna love each other. And that's the one thing I love about the Briscoes is I know I'm gonna hit them hard, and they're gonna hit me back just as hard. And I honestly believe that's what makes the best matches is you go in there with either one other guy or two other guys or three or four other guys that you trust and are gonna bring the best out of you, and like there's just there's just something about it that from the minute I came to Ring of Honor Jay and Mark Briscoe they just they always brought the best out of me and Taven whether we were doing singles whether we were doing tag it was just one of those things where it was and I don't know what it was the chemistry the fact that we all just like each other the fact that we all just love wrestling or love Ring of Honor it's just one of those things we go in there we hit the out of each other and then we come to the back and we go thank you that was amazing let's do it all again tomorrow and that's it's it's just that's what it should be and that's why this match being the final match it's just i i couldn't ask for a better ending well what makes me excited as a wrestling fan just strictly as a fan not someone who works for ring of honor is just i i know how hard the briscoes go like it doesn't matter if there's a hundred people there uh, and it's a, it's not a televised event, whatever it is. I, I still see the same effort. And I see that from you guys as well, because you're all pros. You all take so much pride in what you do. Uh, you leave it all out there. And I'm just thinking, knowing you, your mindset of all four of you guys, the fact that this is final battle, end of an era, uh, and you don't know when the next match is going to be or where you're going to be, I, you know, and the crowd is going to be emotional. I think everyone's going to be amped up and emotional. I, you know, I just, I can't wait to see, you know, no pressure, you know, but <laughs> no pressure, but I just think this is really, really going to be something special. I mean, um, look, I, I've been at some big, I've been at WrestleManias and I've been at different things and, you know, I've seen some cool things in wrestling. I wouldn't miss final battle in Baltimore for, for any amount of money. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who, who feel that way. I just want to ask you guys again. I mean, you've talked about it a lot, but once you get to the arena that night, um, I mean, have you, are you prepared for the emotion? I mean, everyone's going to no. be, you know. <laughs> no, I like can't even think about it. I'm yeah. like, uh, when we left the last tapings, I didn't even want to think, oh, the next time's the last time. And I, I, and I think it's just because of what we talked about earlier. You know, this is such a family. And during that pandemic, like we, we came together uh like we had never had in in the past and it just was always such a good locker room but to at this point right now it's such a tight bond that it's um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna feel like after the show ends i'm gonna feel like if well if i stay in the building forever they they can't they can't <laughs> turn the lights off right because i just i'm gonna miss all those guys and girls um no matter what happens in the future you know things won't be the same so um Man, the thought of having to say goodbye is not one that I enjoy. And so to see all those people and have to say goodbye, I don't know what the next step is, is uh, it's 
it's gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, that the day you graduate from high school, right? Like, in some instances, you've seen these people since kindergarten. You've seen them for the last twelve years, and now you know everybody's going off in a different direction. And it's like, yeah, I'm glad school's over, but holy, shit, I'm never gonna see like some of these people again. So it always is. Yeah, I get that bittersweet that bittersweet feeling, but you know, the thing is when you're in high school, you don't realize that it's everything changes when you're in college, you know what I mean? Even like graduating college, you're like, I'll talk to these guys. I'll see them all the time. And it's like, life just happens so quickly. And now, you know, being at the point of our lives that we're at, we kind of can see that that's coming (laughs) very soon. And so we're like, Oh man, this is, this is, it's going to be something, you know, it's going to be something that uh, there's all these little things that come out of the woodworks during tough times like this. And, and during the last tapings, I'm saying goodbye to people and people are telling you these little stories that maybe you forgot and uh, you know, what they meant, what it meant to them and maybe how you helped them in some way. And it's like, Holy moly. Like we've done so much together. We've spent so much of our lives together um, that it, it will without a doubt be difficult to, uh, be in that building that night. But, um, you know, like I said, it, I, I couldn't ask for a better reason to be there than defending the titles against the Briscoes. Well, and like you said, I mean, I think there will be again without, you know, I'm not trying to sound corny or anything, but there will be an unbreakable bond between you guys and everybody in that locker room because, you know, people hearing this may not, you know, they might think we're just saying this or whatever, but it really is, you know, everybody says, oh, it's like a family. Like you hear that with people on TV shows or whatever it is when it ends, oh, it was a family. Or, I mean, from what I've observed in Ring of Honor, like this is the closest thing I've seen, this locker room to, um, you know, just being so tight knit and everyone pulling for everyone else. And, um, you know, with a few you know, I could count the exceptions on, on one hand and, you know, there's always a few, right? So, um, happens everywhere, happens everywhere, you know, not, yeah. not a hundred percent, but you know, by and large, I mean, such a, uh, such a great, such a great locker room. And, and so I, I think, I, I think the reason why this locker room is at least uh, having been fortunate enough to be in many different locker rooms, I feel like this one's special because everyone believes in what they're fighting for. And it's an entire locker room of people that want everyone else to succeed. This is a very egocentric business. And it's very rare that you find an entire collection of men and women who have one common goal. And it just felt like at Ring of Honor, we all had the common goal. And that was to make Ring of Honor better, but to make each other better. I mean, I, it was a locker room sellout when Miranda and Roxy were in the ring having that match because everyone wanted them to kill it and everyone wanted Maria and Bobby's vision of women's wrestling to succeed because as a whole, that made us all better. But even more from a personal level, everyone in the locker room likes Maria and likes Bobby. So they wanted to see them succeed. And then on another level, everyone grew and started, uh, because they were new, we grew and started to love Miranda and we started to love Roxy and we welcomed them into the, to our family. So then we wanted to see them succeed. And so I think that's what really separated is you hear, oh yeah, this is a family, this place is a family. 
Ring of Honor is where I truly felt that that was real. Like, no, this is a family and we'll do anything for our family. Well, and Matt made the point earlier that it's not just, yeah, there's a bond in that locker room with the talent, but it goes beyond that. I mean, it's the camera people, it's the producers, it's, you know, to some extent, you know, you don't see them that often, but, you know, the people in the office. I mean, it really, you know, I, I've never observed anything like it. I've worked in a couple other wrestling companies. I've never seen anything, you know, quite to this level. Um, it, it, as far as being such a, a great atmosphere, fun place to work, everybody pulling for everybody else and really believing, like you said, in each other, but also in, in the company, you know, like just making the company the, like you want it to be the best product it can possibly be. And everybody's going to do their part to do it. And I think, again, I observed it backstage, but I think it really comes across when you're watching it that, um, you know, obviously these are fights in the ring and everything else, but I think you get the sense that everybody's kind of pulling together to make this the best product that it possibly could be. Again, I'm going to keep it real. I mean, there's a few notable exceptions and I, and I think, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but I think you can see it when someone isn't necessarily putting um, the good of the company and I'll just leave it at that. But I, I think there, there's examples where it's, when it happens, it's obvious, you know, and um, you know, I'd say addition by subtraction with those people, but I'll leave it at that. I won't ask you guys to comment. Um, <laughs> I just want to uh, ask you though about the fan base. I mean, Ring of Honor has such a unique relationship with its fans. Um, you know, just I know we're not doing the meet and greets anymore because of the pandemic, but you know, just, we were doing the meet and greets. I think I don't know if any other company was doing them, but we were doing them. You know, years ago. Um, you know, the fan base is so passionate. Um, some have stuck with us for years, some have lapsed and come back and, you know, whatever it may be. But I just feel like there's a, and maybe it's because the company's not as big as say a WWE that um, there's much more of a personal relationship with the fans. And I know Matt, you uh, specifically, like you have an incredibly loyal and passionate fan base. So, I mean, just could, he, could each one of you just talk a little bit about that, about the relationship? Because obviously we do this for the fans. I mean, without the fans, there is no, there's nothing, right? So. And I think that that is going to be part of the tough part of Baltimore is that, especially in Baltimore, there's been so much, so many loyal fans and so many shows that have happened in that area. So many meaningful matches for my career that have happened in that town or in that area. And like, and then also a lot of the ring of honor fans fly in for these big events and they're just so passionate. You know, my fan base, I can't say enough wonderful things about, obviously I've said it in the past. Like, I don't think a lot of things take off in my career without that loyal support from them and without the noise that they make. Um, and, and you know what? And a lot in the opposite direction too. Uh, so, you know, you got to love people, let them have their opinions. Um, but I, I, we've been blessed by having these, these fans that are so diehard that um, it's going to be hard to, to look out in that crowd and see so many familiar faces, people that you feel like you grew up with, you know, people that you know, me winning at MSG or something meant so much to, and you think that that's such a moment for yourself, but it really isn't. It's a moment for like this group of people that really believed in it. Even the amount of love and support that Mike and I got when the uh, tag title match was airing, <laughs> I'm sorry. It almost, um, 
you know, it almost makes you forget what's going on for a second. And uh, it's, it's overwhelming because there's plenty of times where you can get caught up in the uncertainty and maybe some negativity that's out there. But when you feel that love and support from such a diehard fan base, it's, it's uplifting and uh, it gives you hope. And to see that that, that that win didn't just mean so much to us. It meant so much to a lot of people that have supported us for a long time. It, uh, it gives you a feeling like you're not alone in this whole, this whole crazy world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, it, it's, it's one of those things that I think contributed to my early point about this being honestly like a true family. Like there's, there's people that I, I have seen almost grow up in front of my eyes. So, you know, you, you see them as a small fan. I, I, I can remember in Baltimore, um, always seeing this, this, mom and her son always come in and now I'm watching this kid grow up and I'm like, Oh my God, it's like happening right before my eyes. So it's, it's one of those things that we'll look back on probably years from now. And it'll mean, I mean, it means more now, but you'll look back on and be like, wow, those people really meant so much to, to my wrestling career. Um, It's going to be another reason why final battle was going to be something that's extremely difficult, but something that's going to be a must see. Well, yeah, I, I, I feel like with our fans, it, it doesn't get talk, talked about enough. Um, but we're, we're nothing without fans. We're absolutely nothing. We don't have a career without people buying our merchandise, buying tickets to our shows, watching our streams. We're nothing. We're absolutely nothing. And we just so happen to work for the best fan base in the entire world. And I mean that from the minute I started there, even before when I was watching Ring of Honor on DVD or tapes, it was like the crowd is what made Ring of Honor. The fans is what made Ring of Honor. It was always, they called it the Ring of Honor experience for a reason because you didn't just go there and see a match. You went there and you experienced an entire community of what Ring of Honor was all about. Really good wrestling, really passionate fans, really just the best pro wrestling in the world. And I, I don't know, like that fan base, they'll always hold a special place in my heart, whether they were booing me and telling me I can't wrestle or they were cheering me or it, it, they're just, they were the absolute best. And um, yeah, I, I, I think Ring of Honor fans are right up there with the best wrestling fans uh, in history, like the ECW fans. And like, they're just, they're absolutely the best fans in the world. That's exactly what I was going to say, Mike, is it's reminiscent of ECW where it was like us against the world kind of mentality. Like we're all like, this is our company too. And we're sharing it with you. Um, It's a reciprocal relationship, right? Like, like Matt was saying, like the fans gave him a lot, but um, you know, you guys, you know, obviously impacted their lives and meant so much to them that they wanted to then give it back. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great thing. It's Um, it's crazy because I can remember vividly, going to the case gym in Boston and seeing uh, Generico and Steen against the age of the fall and like getting looking, uh, honestly, not watching the match at one point and just looking around at the fan base and how they were reacting because it was just, you got caught up in this swell of just passion. And that's something that made me want to be in ring of honor and uh, feeling that that in that crowd i mean it's second to none um and and i think it's a big thing that 
uh, me and Mike probably feel the same way on this was that we were getting all this steam behind us, but without being able to kind of get in front of that ring of honor crowd, like we used to, it just, it wasn't the same feeling and uh, it's going to be insane when uh, those people are finally back in the building. Yeah. Well, you know, I think two of our, you know, our fans um, are like, again, being part of the family. I mean, the streamer guy, right? Like he's almost yeah. part of <laughs> Uh, the guy with the liger mask. Um, you know, you hear Ian on commentary. He will call out people by name. <laughs> you know, so-and-so is, is hitting us up on Twitter. And, and I look to, like, how many companies, how many wrestling companies, like, do people know the cameraman? By, like, yeah. people know who Gator is. You know, it's like, it's yeah. just everyone, Bobby Cruz, Todd Sinclair, like, everyone is just, like, it's like, they're all Ring of Honor. Like, we're all under this one umbrella together. All right, well, I'm going to take another break. Uh, More to talk about right after this. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. This is the Mecca, Brian Johnson of Ring of Honor Wrestling, inviting all you bozos to final battle, Ring of Honor's biggest pay-per-view show of the year. It returns to the UMBC campus live on Saturday night, December 11th. Final battle is available on pay-per-view and streaming live on Honor Club. So keep it locked in to ROHWrestling.com, bozos, for ticket on sale information so you can join us. All right, we're back in the ROH Strong Podcast with the OGK, Tag Team Champions, Mike Bennett, Matt Taven. A name that's come up several times on this podcast is uh, is Bobby Cruz. And I guess a lot of people maybe didn't know that he was uh, working with Maria behind the scenes, helping out with uh, the women's division. But there was, a, there was a moment after you guys won the Tag Team Championships where we saw you both come over and, and give a hug to, uh, to Bobby. Um, I think people, you know, know that you're all, you know, from the New England wrestling scene, but can you just talk a little bit more about what Bobby's meant to your careers and, and, you know, your personal and professional relationship with him? Uh, I mean, Bobby, I've known Bobby since I I was 16 years old. Uh, so that (laughs) I'm now 36. So I've known him for 20 years and, uh, we've been friends for that long, honestly, like honest to goodness friends. And uh, he was one of the first people that ever took a chance on me, ever went to bat for me, saw something in me and went right to Gabe Sapolsky and said, I think you need to bring this guy in for tryouts. And the thing about Bobby is he never gave up on me. He constantly would tell people that this is the guy you need to look at. And uh, he gives me more in my life than anyone (laughs) I've ever met. Uh, He is a terrible human being, but I love him. (laughs) I I absolutely adore him. Um, I will tell him I hate him and I love him all in the same sentence. And that's why we get along so well. Um, and, uh, no, in all seriousness, he has meant so much to my career, not only, uh, from a professional level, but more so from a friendship level. Um, and I just, I owe him so much and I'll never have enough nice things to say about him and I'll bury them all in the same conversation. Before we go to Matt, I would just add this. 
he is Bobby has told me that he hates me, although I don't think he's kidding. So I, <laughs> he he's not, but that means he loves you. Oh, okay. Exactly. Right. Like there hasn't been a time where I've hung out with with uh, Bobby that we haven't gotten in some sort of argument <laughs> with one another, and he threatens to leave, and I'm like, sit down, sit down. Um, honestly, I mean, I, I I said it, I tweeted it out, and it goes. It's an understatement, but him and and Fat Pants and Todd Sinclair, like they've done so much for so many guys, especially yeah. coming out of the you know New England scene. We joke around about the New England Mafia, but like you just look at it about Sinclair and Bobby and me and Mike and Eddie Edwards and Tommaso and Malonis and TK and Vinny, and it just goes on and on yeah. and on, and it's like so many guys. New, it speaks volumes for for the new england scene in general but so many guys came out of this area but a lot of us were helped out so much by those two and uh bobby cruz my first dark match with with ring of honor happened in 2009 and i was not ready you know i was in the crowd a year earlier watching that match i was talking about and here's a year later and i'm i'm on the show um, and that's because of Bobby Cruz. Bobby Cruz was was booking the dark matches and, and bringing in young talent uh, for guys to get a look at. And he saw something in me, just like Mike, and he gave me a chance. Um, and uh, honestly, you know, like when I, I can't stress it enough, when we say family, like I'm close with Bobby Cruz's family. Like I've yeah. been to his house, been to you know what I mean, been to family barbecues. His daughters, I adore. You know, it's like. I'm rooting for him as a person because I'm so close to him. I'm rooting for his whole family. Like that's how close we are as people. And it it, it goes without saying that um, there's a lot of times in this business that you don't get thanked for <laughs> the things <laughs> that you do for, for someone. You, it goes unappreciated. You think you're boys with someone and they're, you know, they're the last person to put you over. But like Bobby, like Mike said, has never given up on the guys that um, he's believed in. And uh, he's a, a wonderful human, uh, no matter how many arguments that we get into. <laughs> and uh, he's just another one that I'm sure we'll always keep in touch. But will we see each other the way that we have because we're working together? It, it goes to just kind of one of those uncertainties. So since we're talking about the New England guys, and I, and I want to try and tie this in with something we talked about earlier, which was um, kind of helping other people succeed. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to totally break kayfabe here, but maybe people can read between the lines a little bit. But I want to talk about the, the feud with, with Vinny, with Vincent. I, I, Matt, I think it's safe to say, like, that moment at Madison Square Garden, that's when you became a made man. I mean, you won the Ring of Honor championship at Madison Square Garden. That's your making of Matt Taven moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Vinny got his made man moment at Glory by Honor, the last stand. Um, and again, you know, talking to, I know we don't break kayfabe a whole lot when we talk about this, you know, the feud with Vinny, but I mean, he needed the win at Glory by Honor more than you did, right? Because you're made. Uh, but I just think, you know, I want to give Vinny Don't just- tell the internet that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give Vinny, you know, credit because <laughs> he was given the ball. And um, 
I just feel like he's run with it. He had a home run, whatever sports cliche, cliche you want to use. But everyone needs help, right? Everyone kind of needs that help. You talked about the Briscoes with you guys. And I think the fans, you know, can read between the lines. They know what I mean here when I say that um, you helped Vinny get to get Vin, to where Vincent is right now, which is, to me, one of the most compelling characters in pro wrestling. I mean, he's just he's, – he's embraced this persona, and, and um, he owns it. I just want to ask you, from, from a creative standpoint, the, 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 the long feud with Vinny that lasted almost two years, I mean – how satisfying was that for you? What you guys got to do uh, on the Ring of Honor stage and what you got to do to help Vinny, you know, even though you guys hate each other, uh, but to get to that, really to get to that next level. Uh, how crazy is wrestling, you know, is what I think when I think that because it was just two months ago where, or three months ago now where I felt on top of the world. <laughs> You know what I mean? How crazy <laughs> do things change? I mean, I, I, I remember hitting the ground in the cage and thinking, oh, man, we did it. Two years, we did that. And uh, being so proud of everything that we've done. And I hope that, you know, like a like a Picasso, that people will go back and watch that and, and maybe years and years from now, it'll get the credit that it truly deserves because it's one thing for me to say it, but, you know, it's it's another thing when when other people will give it the the just do that I, I truly think it deserves but i i don't i definitely am so proud of those two years and everything that happened but to me all Vinny needed was a catalyst he's so talented he's so good and just like all of us in wrestling we just need that that one person to reach their hand out and, and pull you up a little bit. And, you know, we, we had came up together for so many years. Vinny's one of the first people, per, one of the first people persons, I don't know what I was going for there, <laughs> that I met uh, in wrestling in general. And we, we've been as thick as thieves ever since. And I obviously know the love that he has for wrestling and I know how talented he is. And just like I said, I was like, okay, uh, I lived a dream at Madison square garden. When that was over, my goal was to, to reach my hand out and help my friends. Um, and since day one that, that, that feud started all the way to that last acid drop off the, the top of the cage there, um, I knew that all Vinny needed was this platform. And I'm so excited to see what happens with him in the future because I think that's something, almost like what me and Mike were saying earlier, that is just getting going. Like, he's just starting to run. I think I hope the righteous stick together because that is something that's so good. Um, and Vinny, he really hasn't even scratched the surface. He was about to. And I, I think he definitely will in the future. It's going to be exciting to see what his path is and, and how he gets there. Uh, but, you know, give credit where credit's due. He's a, he's a creative guy and, and we help each other. There's so many things that, you know, I'm sure one day I'll be able to just kind of let it all out. But <laughs> there's so many things that he's, he's helped me with that uh, don't get acknowledged. And it's, it's, it's something that, those are the, the things that you'll look back on when everything's said and done and kind of hang your hat on. And um, 
yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully like a, like a fine painting. Like I said, the price of the me and Vinny DVD, when they put all that stuff together, hopefully it skyrockets (laughs) in the future because, uh, that thing's a gem. Well, I'll give you guys the ultimate compliment. And, um, and I think I told both of you this after the, um, the last stand, you know, a a jaded old wrestling fan like me, somebody who's been watching this stuff for, well, I'm not going to say how many years because (laughs) a long, long time. Uh, I'll just, I grew up, I grew up watching wrestling in the seventies. So I've seen a lot. Um, and, and I've worked behind the scenes, so I get it, but that match, that cage match, like it reminded me of when I was younger and wasn't so jaded and didn't know everything. And, um, you know, I don't want to know a lot of times, um, one of the things I, I, it's like part of when, when I was part of creative, I mean, what, I'm not really involved now was, uh, you know, you know what's going to happen. It like takes something away when you're like, oh, okay, I know all the finishes or, or whatever. When you don't know, and I didn't know, but all my years of watching wrestling told me, babyface has to go over here. I mean, Taven's not gotten anything back. Like, this is it, you know? And, and Vinny will recover because he's a strong character and he'll move on to something else. So it, it got me when it happened. I didn't expect it. And then I realized that had to happen. And that was the right thing. And it helps Vinny. It doesn't hurt you because you're a made man. You're former Ring of Honor world champion. You know, you've won. I wrote it today, um, writing the recap from uh, Honor for All. Like, the only people that have held more championships than you, Matt, in Ring of Honor, I don't know if you know this, are Jay and Mark Briscoe. I, I did know that, but that's only because yeah, I thought I, I was going to break the news to you. Here, no, so. that's only because I'm a psychopath and need a new goal <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, all right, what's the next thing I have to do? <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so yeah, the, you know, the emotion of that whole storyline and everything else, just man, like that's when people say, Oh, now I know why I was a wrestling fan. That match reminded me of how much I love pro wrestling. So um. I want to, and not, and Matt won't put himself over, but I will um, just to play <laughs> into line when he said, when he won the world title and then his next object was to lift Vinny up behind him. He's not just speaking out of his ass. He's 100% true because he, he fought for that finish to lose so he could get Vinny over and he'll never tell you that, but I will because I'll put him over any day of the week. He fought, <laughs> to make Vinny a made man. And, and, and he, people need to know that. Wow. Well, you know, and like I said, me thinking, I know everything about wrestling. I would have told everyone, come on, man, you know what the finish is. <laughs> gotta be, you know, he's got to get it back at the end. He's never beaten Vinny. Vinny's, but no. And, and again, once it happened, I was like, ah, now I get it. You know, that was the right thing to do. And, and uh, yeah, let's put Matt over for that because, hey, absolutely, <laughs> not, not everybody would have, you know, obviously not everyone is that would be that giving. Necessarily. I want to ruin his tough guy exterior. That's my plan. <laughs> yeah, no, he's right. I fought for that because I didn't want to lose. I was like, Vinny, what? <laughs> yeah, he, it was actually the opposite. All, the way to the end. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. Uh, not too much else to touch on here because we want to get to 10 questions shortly and, and you guys, you know, being so gracious. Mike, I do want to ask you, I know that you've done motivational speaking and that's something that you're looking to do more of. Can you just talk a little bit about that, about what your message is and about, uh, you know, where you'll be taking it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was one of those things that I, it just kind of happened accidentally when I first started doing it. 
it was when I was sent home. <laughs> I was sent home from WWE because I very publicly asked for my release and they were very mad at me. Uh, so they sat me at home and uh, I wanted to do something with my time. I wanted to use it purposefully. I didn't want to just sit around and do nothing. And so I just started telling people my story online and I just started trying to help. And I just, just wanted to use my voice and my story to uh, motivate, inspire, start a conversation, anything. I just, I thought what helped me out the most was looking to other people that had been through what I had been through. And when I realized that understanding that there's way more people going through these struggles, way more people going through an addiction, not even an addiction, depression, anxiety, anything. When I started to realize that everyone in this world is just completely as screwed up as I am and we're just trying to get through it the best way possible, it really opened up my eyes and it really made me help to understand people more. And I wanted to connect with people. And when I started doing videos online and I started doing little tiny uh, motivational speaking appearances at wrestling schools, I started to realize that I was connecting more with people this way than I had ever done in a wrestling ring. Um, and it was meaningful. It was real purpose. And it really just, it, it became something that I loved to do. And, and then throughout that, my story just started getting... I started adding more and more to it. I've now been fired for the second time. How do you navigate being fired twice from jobs that you thought were your dream jobs? What do you do next? How do you do that with two kids? How do you do that in recovery? How do you do that with a wife who's dealing with your recovery? All these things I thought I could add and just give genuine insight, sometimes with humor, sometimes with sincerity, just whatever. And uh, yeah, and it's just something I really enjoy doing. And selfless, you know, I always say helping other people is the most selfish thing you can do because it makes you feel better about yourself. And if that's the worst thing, that's really not that all that bad to begin with. Uh, and yeah, I just, it's something I'd like to do once wrestling ends. And so um, I'd really just like to use my story now while I'm still wrestling, while I can connect with people and not just help out people in wrestling, but just help out people in life. Because I think, a lot of my experiences can help out in just everyday life of just resiliency and just, hey, it's going to hit the fan. And that's probably about 90% of life. You just have to learn how to navigate through it. Well, absolutely. And I think um, you do have a great message because you have had these experiences. And, uh, and, and I think, um, you know, you're going to inspire a lot of people. And I think to use your platform the way, the way you have been, the way you're going to do in the future um, you know, you're going to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And, um, and that's, that's important work. And I think anybody, look, anybody who's happens to be near either one of you in a locker room or anything else, um, they would benefit from being under the learning tree, I think, of, of the two of you, just as far as wrestling goes. But yeah, as far as life goes, I mean, obviously, you've got some, uh, some life experiences there as well that I think would be beneficial to people to, uh, to hear your story. And, uh, and it is, you know, I think you will inspire people. So I think, you know, again, I think that's, you're doing great work with that. And um, thank you. Yeah. And I wish you all the luck with it going forward. Uh, you know, who knows, maybe you'll have, you'll be like the next Tony Robbins or something. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> or Diamond Dallas Page, maybe either one. I'll be, yeah, exactly. I'll be touching people on the forehead and healing them quickly. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping for Tony Robbins, just so his hands get that big. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not sure exactly what 
why you want his hands to get that big, but I'm going to Tony Robbins has banana hands. They're the he most outrageous things, hands. and he talks with them, and you're like, look at this guy's hands. And so, yeah. I don't know. I just want He's to see very multiple people, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I never looked, at his, never looked at his hands before. I didn't know that was a thing. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take our final break, and we come back. We're going to play a version, a, a special OGK version of 10 Questions. Ring the bell. This is the Mile High Magnum Dak Draper of Ring of Honor Wrestling inviting you to final battle. Ring of Honor's ultimate pay-per-view show of the year. It returns to Baltimore's Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena on Saturday, December 11th. Final battle is available on pay-per-view and streaming live on Honor Club. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels for on-sale information so you can join us in Baltimore. All right, we are back in the ROH Strong podcast with the OGK, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. Uh, both of you guys have been on the podcast before, so you've, I think you've done the whole 10 questions thing. So I'm um, not going to ask you, ask you those. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you what uh, is on your bucket list or any of those things we asked before. But So I'm going to actually ask five questions, but I'm going to ask the same question to each of you. So there'll be five questions, five. 10 answers. We should probably call this 10 answers. Um, question number one I don't have a weird hand thing they're just very noticeable you made me feel awkward about it <laughs> uh, well you know I, I'm, I was going to make a joke that I probably shouldn't make All right. I, see but that's what I thought people were making in their heads I was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. Just well, Tony Robbins' hands are huge let's just gonna, all admit it I'm not going to make the joke. family show I can't make that joke <laughs> And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right. So question number one. This is to you, Mike. Does Matt have any habits or idiosyncrasies that annoy you? I'm not very easily annoyed. I think that's why me and Matt get along so well. Like we, we, we always joke we're like the polar opposite, but I think the <laughs> fact that we're yin and yang I'm just like, oh, that's Matt. And then I'll do something. And Matt goes, yeah, that's just Mike. And then we just kind of move on. Uh, no, I, I think one, one it, this isn't, this doesn't annoy me. It was my favorite part about the Japanese tours was that him and Maria used to share their hair products and ask each other for <laughs> hair products, which was my favorite part of the whole trip. I knew you couldn't get through a whole podcast without <laughs> reference to Tatum. <laughs> That's actually the second reference to my hair because you were talking about how I had long hair earlier. I mean, like, chasing me forever. Um, so mine is the same answer. Mike sometimes just too damn positive. You know what I mean? Like, he's doing this motivational speaking thing, and he's he's been my motivational speaker for so long that I'm kind of jealous that other people are getting it now. Uh, no, it's it's... I'm always like, that's because Mike's the nicest guy in the world. You know, it's true. He says that. That's a common thing that I say uh, when when you know I'm I'm probably the salt to his sugar or vinegar. Actually, you said you said to Dalton the other day at TV. Oh, Michael, laugh. He'll laugh at anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like, hey, let's ask Mike what he thinks about this guy. He always says the positive about people, (laughs) even if it's not funny. Mike will give you the courtesy laugh. You gotta, oh, yeah, he'll give you the smile and a little chuckle. I'm like, ah, that's enough. That's, that's always. All, I always. all right, question number two. Matt, describe Mike in one word. I think I just did. Positive. Okay. Or, 
uh, I was always told by my English teacher that nice is the worst word word to just describe someone, but like, yeah. nice is it. You know what I mean? Like, just I like it. It's it's one of those things where it's a rare thing to kind of find someone that is so nice in wrestling, <laughs> uh, especially after everything that we've been through. But like, man, he can just find the positive and I'll be like going on a rampage and he'll be like yeah but you know also this I'm like god damn <laughs> alright Mike this is going to be a tough one can you possibly sum up Matt Taven in one word yeah easily passionate oh, I've, I've never met a human that with whatever they go into goes in with more fire and more passion <laughs> whether it's a match or the color of his gear or uh, it just any the way he talks to some of the younger guys and girls about their match, it's Matt doesn't go into anything half-assed. He goes in with all all of his passion and like I love it. Whole ass. Whole Maria ass. said whole ass passion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, me in trouble sometimes. Question number three: uh, Who went first last time? Okay, this is for you, Matt. Um, if there's one Ring of Honor star, past or present, that you've never gotten in the ring with, but that you want to or wanted to, who, who would it be? And I know you've oh, worked with a lot of people, but is there one that you didn't get a chance to work with? I, I never got in the ring with uh, Samoa Joe, okay. ever. And, you know, I've, I've shared the ring with AJ, with all these different guys. You know, Punk or Joe, obviously. Uh, but Joe, I just always thought... Man, if Matt Taven as a heel getting his ass kicked by Samoa Joe, people would love to see that. I'd pay to see that. Yeah, right? Like me just talking all this nonsense on <laughs> Joe, and then he just beats the bejesus out of me. That would be great. <laughs> Mike, how about you? Uh, you know, it would probably be Nigel. Uh, mm. I feel like Nigel's one of those unsung heroes of Ring of Honor that is was such a pillar and... Uh, such like I, I put him on like my Mount Rushmore of, of Ring of Honor, but I always feel like he often gets overlooked. And uh, yeah, I think he's awesome. I love Nigel. Yeah, I think you're right about that because yeah, I think like we would probably put him right up there with all the with Punk and all those guys. But yeah, he doesn't seem you know except for Ring of Honor fans, I guess beyond that scope, he doesn't seem to, he's like mentioned in the. In the next sentence, right? It's always Punk and Joe and Danielson. Yeah, and I think I think it's honestly because, like, you, you know, with Punk and Joe and Brian, is they all went and had other wrestling careers, especially at WWE, where Nigel's still there, but he he was more of a commentator. And I think a lot of times people forget just how freaking awesome he was. Yes, no doubt about it. All right, well, these last two questions are going to be Boston sports questions because I know you guys perfect. Are all right, so this is going to be a tough one, but I really want you to give me an answer. So, Mike, question number four. Who was more responsible for the Patriots' success? <laughs> oh, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? And you can't say, well, they were both together. No, I'm saying if you could only pick one, Brady or Belichick? It's not even close. It's Tom Brady, 100%. There's, there's not a... There's not a doubt in my mind that it's time. Now, if Belichick is able to take this team he has right now to the Super Bowl and win it this year, good. it is. Yeah, I might I might put a little hesitation. But as of right now, 
it's Brady by a landslide, and it's not even close. Wow. So the greatest player of all time, you're saying, not even close, was more responsible than the greatest coach of all time. Easily. Easily. Brady went to another team and was like, oh, we'll win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Belichick was like, oh, seven and nine. Yeah. Well, to play devil's advocate, now now Tom did was surrounded by some incredible talent. Yeah, um, yeah but, but he still has to win. Tom Brady. He's 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 so old and looks so good. Like I, I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. He's just mind blowing. I mean, I don't eat tomatoes anymore because of Tom Brady. <laughs> it's a huge I sacrifice tried. for me. I tried. Strawberries is like my favorite fruit. I'm like, ooh, Tom said no. I've said no. <laughs> what do you think about electrolytes? Oh, I mean, I I eat them for breakfast because Tom tells me <laughs> what to do. I mean, like, it's just, it's Tom Brady. But to play devil's advocate, it's pretty impressive to be able to switch those teams year after year around Tom and uh, to make it happen. And what he's doing with this year's team, I don't know, looking pretty nice. But um, seeing Tom come to another team and win, I mean, it was heartbreaking in one one sentence, but at, or in one sense, but in the other, it's... Uh, it just justifies that it's it's Tom. He's number one. Here's something that'll really rub salt into the wounds, Matt, is that Kenny King can now claim Tom Brady and you can't. Oh, Kenny, please. <laughs> Everyone knows. And, and down here in, in Florida, you know, you're going around. Okay, so I went to a Buccaneers game uh, at the beginning of the year, wearing my Tom Brady red jersey, looking fantastic, right? And everyone comes up to you and they – they, uh, they thank you for Tom Brady. It was like the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life because if you're an ex-Celtic you know, Celtic or a Red Sox and you come into town, you're getting booed, yeah. but not Tom Brady. Tom Brady will always be cheered. And if you go you know, to the opposing stadium, usually with a, a different jersey on, you're getting heckled, but not Tom Brady. Someone walked up to my buddy. We're both wearing Tom Brady jerseys, obviously, and sincerely said, hey, man, thanks for Tom Brady. <laughs> and like, it, it's it's... It's as real as it gets, but you know, Kenny can't jump on the bandwagon now. Tom Brady will always be mine. Is Kenny exactly. walking around with Tom Brady with a Tom Brady Bucks jersey? I just need to know. I think he, he does. Was. I think he's got the pewter one. I'm pretty sure he sent me a, a picture the the first time he got it. I'm pretty sure he's got the uh, Brady Bucks jersey. I feel like that's something he would do. I, do I need the orange creamsicle one. That's the one I need. Oh, okay. <laughs> with, with the uh, with the not so tough looking pirate on the helmet. See, they have. Those logo shirts, but with Tom Brady's face as the pirate, when I saw that, my mind exploded. Oh, my God, I need one of those. I Exactly. And, like, I'm trying to stay, keep it real, and only do Patriots gear. But that one, ooh, got my, my fingers yeah. trembling. I was reaching for it. I would risk it all for that one. I almost want one of those myself. Just, just Man, I grew up with those cream You know, I was an NFL fan watching those creamsicle jerseys. And the All word right. on the street is that Tom wants the creamsicle jerseys to come back, and I'm, oh, I'll Tom do anything Tom wants. Yeah, <laughs> Tom wants, Tom gets. Tom gets, and Tom we trust. Uh, all right, here's our final question. Uh, question number five, and, and, and both of you will probably know why I'm asking this question. Matt, you're up first. Is Dwight Evans a Major League <laughs> Baseball Hall of Famer? Yes, of course he is. <laughs> now, you know yes, why I'm asking yes. this, right? It's not a question. I mean, and what's up with the Sox always kind of getting gypped on the Hall of Fame? You know what I mean? Jim Rice had a way forever. What was going on there? Like, there's just no respect. No respect. I think because they were a perennial loser, especially <laughs> in big moments, that, that people kind of, you know, 
looked thought twice about the stars that came through Boston. Not anymore, obviously, the past couple of years. Um, and that leads me to another thing. You know, I'm wearing my Red Sox Taven 69 jersey here in uh, in St. Pete to uh, to a game. And I'll tell you this. It's a playoff game. You're wearing the opposing team's jersey. If you did that in Fenway Park, you would be covered in beer and like <laughs> pretzels and, you know, getting heckled left and right. The worst thing that anyone said to me was, the Red Sox stink. I was like, that's it? That's all you like, got? You wouldn't believe what I would say to you if you were in Fenway. <laughs> What's the significance of the 69? Is that I don't remember any great Red Sox with that number. What's that significance? Oh, oh no, that's just because I'm I'm a real piece of work. Um, no, I know so, I get, I know this. I get it. Oh, I don't. Well, you remember I threw out the first pitch, and I could not believe that they allowed me to go out there in a Red Sox 69 jersey. Yeah. They asked me for a backup number. And I, I gave it to him. I was like, yeah, no way I'm going out there in the 69. Psst, those pictures will live forever just because of that jersey. All right. Now, you know why I asked the Dwight Evans question, right? Because this is Bobby Cruz's big thing is that when I had Bobby on the podcast, we debated about he's very passionate that Dwight Evans is a, is a Hall of Famer. Uh, oh, if Bobby thinks he's a Hall of Famer, then I think he's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> you That's my stance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bobby and, I, Bobby and I got into it because um, – you know, oh, shocker. Well, I just, I think Dwight Evans, and I grew up watching Dwight Evans. You know, I, I'm an Orioles fan, so I, I saw Dewey play a lot as an American League East guy. And he actually played his final year with the Orioles. Mm. Um, Dwight Evans is the guy, he's the classic example of he would be in the Hall of Very Good. Was never <laughs> like the best player in the league. I, Matt, I agree with you 100% about Jim Rice. When I was growing up, Jim Rice was like one of the most feared hitters in baseball. He absolutely should have been in the Hall of Fame way before. But think about those. Like, Dwight Evans was never as good as Jim Rice. He was never as good as Fred Lynn. No, um, but I think the argument could be made that there's plenty of guys that he's better than that are in the Hall of Fame. That I would agree with. I think the Hall of Fame has become the Hall of Very Good in baseball. I think it's much yeah. harder to get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and therefore it's much more prestigious because the Baseball Hall of Fame, if you've been around long enough and you've hit certain milestones, it's like, oh, he hit the magic numbers, he gets exactly. To it's me, a statistics were, sport, you know what I mean? If you were one of the best players over a five to seven year span, but your career didn't go on forever, to me, you're more Hall of Fame worthy than you played 20 years and you were good, but you never led the league in anything or you were never an MVP. That's my opinion. See, I don't know. I, I, I think longevity, especially for being able to, to, to continue going for a long period of time, I, I think that that... There's, there's a lot to be said about that. You know, there's so many guys that come and go, flash in the pans, have a hot season, whatever the case may be in every sport. But the guys that even aren't the creme de la creme but are consistently that second tier, I think there's something to definitely be said to that. Those are the guys that you add on onto, like, a championship team and they put you over the hump. Those guys are so important. Put them in the Hall Journey. of Fame. Journeyman. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to agree or disagree on that one. Uh, before I let you guys go, uh, where can fans follow you both on uh, social media? And then at the end of that, I just want to ask uh, both of you if there's any final words uh, for the fans. Uh, you know, final battles coming up in, in a few weeks. I don't know how many more opportunities, how many more interviews you're going to be doing or whatever. But, um, yeah, social media info and then your final, your final words to the fans. Um. 
my social media is at Matt Taven, which is T-A-V-N. Matt Taven at uh, Facebook and Twitter, the Matt Taven on Instagram, Matt Taven on Pro Wrestling Tees and Tea Springs and all that fun stuff. And you can keep up with everything that I have going on because I'm sure I'll be posting like a madman since I will be returning to the independent scene sooner than later uh, and probably promoting all the shows that I'll be on. But um, in all seriousness, I need to thank ring of honor everyone from the very beginning from Kerry silken i mean from jim Cornette giving me a chance to Kerry silken believing in me to delirious to joe Coff did so so much for me and then you know we talked about so many people here bobby cruz and, and todd sinclair and and honestly i would sit here and list people but i'm sure i'd forget a couple and i don't want to leave anyone out because I, I can't thank you enough. You gave a kid who was six years old dreaming about being a professional wrestler, uh, everything he could ever ask for. And I uh, will miss this place. Whatever happens in the future, I will miss um, the family that was here. And uh, I will, uh, I will obviously continue on. This won't be the end of Matt Taven, but uh, this will be a, a very big chapter of my life and not just my career that's coming to an end at final battle. So uh, it's really going to mean a lot to me. And I hopefully will see a lot of familiar faces in the crowd because I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. There is, there is no Matt Taven without, you know, the team Taven or the honor club girls or Tavenville, whichever, whichever fan name you want to give it there. There's literally, there isn't any me without them. Um, so thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, this has been an incredible, an incredible uh, decade plus with ring of honor. And um, uh, Man, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. I love every single one of you, and uh, I'll see you down the road, as they say. All right, Mike, Mike follow that. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I will start with my social media, which is uh, <laughs> Twitter is Real Mike Bennett, and then Instagram is The Real Michael Bennett. Um, look up Mike Bennett on um, YouTube. A lot of my motivational speeches or videos are up there. I got a bunch of new ones that are going to be coming out this week. So tune into that. Subscribe, please subscribe. Always subscribe, uh, subscribe on Twitch or follow me on Twitch. Um, the miracle Mike is my name. I've been stream. I think I got three streams up. Um, I just talk a lot of wrestling and, uh, play video games, which I get killed a lot. So watch that. Um, and yeah, I honestly, Taven thanked everyone and we've kind of been on this journey together except I took a five how long was I gone for five year hiatus and then came back but I I don't want to thank everyone because I want to do that in person and they all know how I feel about them but <clears throat> truthfully and I don't mean this and I'm not being I'm not exaggerating when I say this everything I have in my life right now I can somehow trace back to ring of honor and what they did for me whether it be my family or my life or my house or my friends um they gave me the opportunity to travel the world with my wife and travel the world with my best friend uh i made lifelong friends there uh i made uh lifelong mentors there's people there that i'll see in 10 years from now and we'll hug like we never missed the beat 
Uh, I was just talking to Jay Lethal about this, about how it was so nice to just reconnect, even for the year that I was back. And I felt like I hadn't missed a beat with him, even though I had only seen him for, hadn't seen him in five years. And I know that's what that's going to continue and that'll keep going on. But um, I just, as a whole, and this includes wrestlers, production, fans, owners, everyone, I just thank you for everything, honestly, because Ring of Honor gave me everything and uh, I'll never be able to thank them enough for it. Well, well said, well said, both of you. And um... Uh, I, I just want to thank the two of you for, you know, giving me so much of your time today. I know this is like, you know, we've been talking about this whole podcast. It's kind of a bittersweet time. We've got a big show coming up, December 11th, final battle, end of an era, OGK and the Briscoes for your World Tag Team Championships. Uh, but again, thanks so much for, for doing this. And um, I'll definitely see you December 11th in Baltimore and uh, hopefully more places down the road after that. Definitely. Definitely. Let's party in Baltimore. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, and I want to thank everybody out there for listening as well and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, Matt and Mike Never Miss It, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.